0: Hey everyone, welcome Welcome to 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 The Query. query.
1: So today we are joined by some very, very exciting guests. We are so honoured to have them
0: on the podcast today. Um, We have Brisbane's, one of Brisbane's most iconic duos, I would argue. Um, Not just one of the most iconic, don't (laughs) Sorry, sorry, (laughs) The most iconic Brisbane duo, Lulu and Elle.
2: Hi Um, everybody, hello, hello. we're very excited. Thank Um, you for having us.
0: That's okay.
1: Thanks
2: for coming on.
0: Yeah,
1: we're very excited. Um, we have some questions
0: Yes, to get the usual. ball rolling. Um, do you want to take us
1: Yeah, definitely. So first of all, just starting out, um, what are your pronouns and what names do you go by and when?
3: So out of drag, um, my name's Adam and I prefer he, him, but I'm kind of not too fussed really. Like if someone wants to call me girl as a form of endearment, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I'm in drag, I like to live the full fantasy, so she, her in drag. Good. <laughs> perfect
2: and right now i'm jacob but i i'm happy to go by lulu in drag my name's lulu lamons and i yeah pronouns i'm not too fussed with as long as you're calling me something i'm happy i love the attention (laughs) (laughs) it it, yeah it's fine it's fine i get it i get lots of other things as well yeah
0: amazing love that love that (laughs) um so how did each of you get into drag and do you have like are your experiences different or
3: um so i guess i kind of started off the process so we were dating at the time mm-hmm. when we started so i was invited to this party hasn't aged very well i was invited to a cross-dressing party so um yep, yep, cancel yep. her yeah <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> no, it wasn't was my it? party it was just the theme i think it was like a friend's 21st uh, yeah. and so like guys dress up as girls girls dress up as guys which again hasn't aged very well but um but being like the little kind of like I just moved out of home at that point as well so I was kind of like starting to experiment with my queerness a little bit more like mm-hmm. starting to like look at makeup and stuff so I was like I'm going to like fully commit to this mm-hmm. at the time I thought I was fully committing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like I'm going to buy like you know. I'm going to buy an expensive wig which at the time was like I think 80 Australian dollars <laughs> and like I spent $800 on a wig the <laughs> yeah. other day so like oh really God. not that expensive. Wow. <laughs> but I thought I was going all out so I like got myself a wig um Jacob knew a little bit more about makeup than me so he was like mm-hmm. helping giving me some like um, like initial tips on like catcher and eyebrow because I like knew nothing like mm, yeah. apart from like watching my mum do her makeup literally had never actually put any product on my face myself and mm. he still doesn't uh. barely there <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just oh, wow. an eyelash <laughs> just woke up like that yeah I think well
2: that's kind of where I came into it so Adam went to this party looked great loved it so much and then he came home and was like oh my god I love this so much I'm going to start practicing makeup at home I'm I'm really interested in drag now and which was interesting because he had never really liked drag at all and then all of a sudden was just in love with it and I I always quite liked it so I was like oh amazing that's really cool Um, I'll keep giving you some tips and show you how to get what I know onto your face and then after about the third or fourth time he'd practiced he was started to get really annoyed at me giving him any kind of feedback oh.
3: and I I'm was,
1: amazing now I've yeah, got it down like, I've done Do it like
3: two more me. times than you Jacob looks so, like, like I an absolute gremlin like, like, <laughs> yeah. the first time wasn't too bad because it was just like a little bit of like lipsticks and like soft Basic. eyeshadow but I got a bit experimental after that I was like <laughs> we're gonna block these brows down and have like mm-hmm. a giant arch and how long was nose this? and 2015? That's fair. That was the time for the big
1: eyebrows. It
2: was a lot. It was
3: bad. But so it
2: looked like a gremlin and was like, well, I've done this like three or four times now. I don't think I need, like I don't think you need to give me so much feedback. Like it's a bit much. I'm just trying to learn. And I was like, okay, well, no worries. I'll show you how it's done. (laughs) Let's, um, I'll go buy myself some makeup and we'll we'll get into drag. I had the house to myself at my parents' house one night. And then we sat there and I was like, oh, it's just so I can show you that I know what I'm doing as well. And then um, I did look better, but we did it. (laughs) (laughs) We did the makeup together, and then all of a sudden, I put on the very expensive wig that Adam had bought, and I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, "Oh no!" I was like, "This is going to become an issue now. (laughs) I can tell this (laughs) is going to turn into something." So then, so then the journey to becoming Lulu and Elle kind of kicked off after that because I loved it. He loved it. Then I went and actually invested some money into makeup. It wasn't just the like three dollar black eyeshadow (laughs) from Big W. (laughs) <laughs> and we um yeah we spent ages I think we spent a disproportionate amount of time practicing at home
3: before we ever came out on the yeah. scene. I think it was like a solid two years between wow. us actually yeah. like starting to play around with makeup and actually physically going out in the public like in drag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like full time. We weren't like like yeah, Monday to Friday. Time. Like yeah. put an eyebrow on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: put the look Did on. you have any friends who like were in that as well? So you learned no. from them or no? no. Just just we, a lot of, YouTube, um We kind of like. like
3: our like early 20s was like very much that kind of like youtuber influencer mm. period yeah. there's so, like I so many of, yeah. like nikki tutorials i was gonna say <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, like yeah. our actual drag mum is nikki tutorials <laughs> Love, <laughs> so good so but, um, good yeah we often call ourselves drag orphans actually like we do have yeah. a drag mama now who's kind of picked us up after we kind of became like started performing a bit but like we literally started just from like our own experiment we journey. had to raise ourselves <laughs> we to raise ourselves <laughs> the <laughs> the <orphanage. dumb> story. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, no. So
2: we we practiced for ages at home, and then one day I was sitting there at work, and I'd had a really bad day in my corporate job, and I was like, "Stuff this! I'm not doing any more work. I'm gonna get on boohoo boohoo tall, obviously. Yeah, it has to be boohoo tall. Had to get on the boohoo <laughs> <laughs> tall Is that a thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. yeah it's really for like handy. women over like thing. six foot. They yeah. have like longer
3: styles and cuts and everything. Yes. and naturally, being
2: two women over six foot, we had to necessary.
0: do so. I want boohoo short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because no, everything's it too been. long. Like my jeans right now are carved. Well, if I have probably there probably t- is. Okay, I'm going to look.
2: There probably is. I'm yeah. going to look. I'm not. Well, shout out to Boohoo. Sponsor <laughs> the podcast. Sponsor us, us please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to talk to you about Boohoo Tall. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so we, well, we went on to Boohoo. I went on to Boohoo Tall and I bought myself these disco pants and this like rainbow outfit. And then I was like, mm, this is fun. So I then bought myself two proper wigs mm-hmm. and messaged um, Adam. And I was like, oh, which ginger wig do you want? Because he wanted to be a ginger <laughs> and then got the got the three wigs, and I said, "Okay, we're just gonna go out for Pride. We've been practicing for so long; we may as well actually oh, yes. go out mm-hmm. in the end of 2018." So it was ages actually. So, um, end of 2018, bought all the stuff, and then I was like, "We're just gonna go out for Pride and just experiment, and it'll be fun." And then that'll be it. That will be our, satis- our cravings will be satisfied, mm-hmm. and then. Um, was quite the opposite. It was yeah. the opposite. Yeah, we just <laughs> it just invigorated s- it more. starving after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, we went out and lots of people, like all the young kids and everyone, because it was pride. Were like, oh my god, you guys look like princesses. Ah, let's get photos together. I looked like a street walker, but it was <laughs> fine. <laughs> Nothing has changed. But we um we took all those photos and then got home, and then that was from there. That was it. Like we just took off from there.
1: Yeah. 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 Wow. Love that so you just kept working on it from there and. So mm. I actual gigs.
2: Yeah, so it nice. took, took a while, actually. So when we first started, the the scene now, even though it's only been a couple of years, in that time, the amount of opportunities have increased so much, which is really, really lovely to see. But when we
3: started, we probably went out for, what, six months before we had any kind of foot on a stage? Before, yeah, before we even got on a stage, it was just kind of a lot of... Obviously, there's not really any kind of normal process of starting drag. So yeah. it's just about kind of like doling up and doing and like meeting people, like getting to know like venue managers and other drag queens and yeah. just kind of like get your foot in the door somewhere
1: does yeah. drag have like auditions
3: that well that was the thing we had this perception that yeah. we were going to have to stand
2: in front of like dj a harry Kay and be like yeah. here's our fluffy show do you <laughs> yeah. want us like yeah. um and it's weird he, he makes us do that no he doesn't know yeah. that <laughs> that um no but it was more i think what happens is you start there's kind of a, a hierarchy in terms of like who performs where and what gigs and stuff there are like the big shows with the big audiences, the most seasoned Queens or the most, you know, they've got the most to offer at the moment, whatever. So when it all started, I think what happened was we started to meet people just going out and saying hi to people who were like working the clubs at the time. I remember, like, we met BB Gun really early on. We met Tina Bickey and Chocolate Box and all these kind of all queens who are people. icons mm-hmm. of the scene. Yeah. And they, they were all really friendly to us when we first came out. Most of them were. Those three were. Mm-hmm. Um, were really friendly to us when we first came out. And then they were like, oh, you need to speak to so-and-so who's going to be running this, like, baby drag queen event. And then all of a sudden, um, this little event popped up called Work at Wednesdays, mm-hmm. which was a... Um, like open stage um, amateur drag night where you could come along and they had like a $50 prize. And that was our kind of gateway to going in. So we just, we showed up and watched the first one. We were there for Beverly Kills' first ever performance oh, in the crowd. Oh, yeah. yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah. She still looks the same. But um, we we <laughs> <laughs> we um we watched her first ever performance. And we don't have to cut that. Please include that. I <laughs> we'll can't it. stand <laughs> it. No, um, so we... We watched her first show and that was really inspiring. She did such an amazing job and, like, a star was born. Mm-hmm. And then we thought, okay, we can do this. So, then um, a couple went by and then we decided to get up on the stage and do our own. And then through... Um, well, we originally did separate ones mm-hmm. and then did our first duo performance um, oh, cool. together a couple of weeks after that. But basically through that unpaid gig, some people saw us and were like, oh, you should come and do this show. You can come and do a guest spot.
3: And you just start to work your way up. Yeah. So, um quite a quite a lot drawn out journey there like i think mm. we, we started like that first time we went out in drag mm. for the pride march was september 2018 and then i think i felt fir- we first hopped on a stage not until like april the next year so a fair few months of just kind of like going out in drag mm. and then didn't actually get a paid gig until around like september the end of that year mm-hmm. yeah. so quite like a Pretty much 12 it's months. a lot of hustling. <laughs> yes. A lot of money, like, spent on drag initially as well. Like, obviously, like, there's so many foundation garments you need to get, like, all the, um, like, the padding and everything and the shoes and the wigs. So it was, like, initially quite a big investment, quite yeah. a big investment yeah. before you can actually start to see anything start coming back in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh.
2: One thing that was always really important to the two of us as well, which made it probably a longer journey, is that we're both firm believers that first impressions matter. Mm, yeah. So we could have gone, you know figuratively speaking balls to the wall and just jumped out and just pushed really early on but we both thought you know what I think we we both have like a really refined eye for what we want to look like and and detail and how we want to perform and stuff so not that some people don't have that but we we were like it's really important to us that we're always presented really well or what Mm -hmm. we thought was really well at the time yeah (laughs) um so we we kind of held ourselves back a little bit until we were confident enough to be able to operate at the standard which means that people had this impression that we came out Fantastic, because mm. that was all they ever got to see was like right, us really. It was actually because thing.
3: everything before that was just behind closed yeah. doors. Yeah. <laughs> queens. Yeah, <That's> exactly. <laughs> people, right,
1: When they say like uh, overnight success, and it's like no. Actually, no. Like, there was like was so five much years work years into yeah. like, before that. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah totally exactly. Up. When so, we first started going out in drag, there like it was only like we would probably only go out physically in drag like once a month. And it's, it seems so funny now we would, after we'd go out, we would like immediately start planning like the next <laughs> look. Like it would take us like a month to like yeah. get curate an outfit. Like get, yeah. <laughs> get back a boohoo tool. Like <laughs> learn how to like Could style a wig, up. which is so funny because we get ready <laughs> for gigs in like, like, like a day now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to think we yeah, spent like well, a month curating it before. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Even like you've both been in the Starlet competition, which is like a week to week thing. Like you yeah, don't a find a out. Yeah, a week turn around, Yeah, which is <laughs> crazy. And, like, even the looks that you guys have pulled out in that time, like, you're Princess Diana. I remember... Uh, iconic. <laughs> I remember so clearly that moment of, like, you coming out and there was just, like, you could hear a pin drop. There was, like, silence. And then, like, a big... Everyone just went, like...
1: <gasps>
3: yeah. And then,
0: like, chaos. Yeah, it was, that like, moment when people, the, like, realise what's going on. Yeah, it was just, like, the most camp thing I have ever witnessed. Oh, like, thank you. So good. So good.
2: I am... Um, look, I knew... So... Um, because the, it, the starlet competition had run before and we knew that there was like a royal theme that Harry loved to use, right. the event producer, Harry Kay. So we we were like, okay, what can I do? So I was talking to my friend Savannah who made the costume. And I mean, I, I'd like to take the credit for being Princess Diana, but I would not have been Princess Diana if she didn't have that like labour of love <laughs> for like three yeah. days before because we literally only had a week to do it. Yeah. Um. So... I was talking to her long before we knew what was happening, and I made the joke because I had for another act that I do, I have like this. Oh, this is inappropriate, but I have this little black Mercedes car. I've seen it that I'd do I do another act it. in, yeah. and I said, "Could you imagine if for the royal family one, I just came out as Diana in the Mercedes?" And I was like, "Oh no, that's we can't do that. That's inappropriate." <laughs> and I would have been funny, but maybe only for Halloween. But I um, <laughs> but I, anyway, I said I said to her, I was like, okay. Let's take it up to somewhere that's maybe a little bit less inappropriate. And why don't we do the wedding dress? Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, that's, a, you know, that's a lot. It's quite an iconic outfit. I yeah. was like, I know, I'm, I'm an iconic person. Yeah. We can do that. <laughs> um, and I said, do you think you could do it? And she made the biggest mistake of her life by saying yes that day. Because yeah, she yeah. was like, I think we could do it. But I doubt, you know, we're gonna, the royal theme won't happen two years in a row. And then surely enough, I find out I've got a weak turnaround and I had royal family as my theme. And I was like, well, Savannah, okay. time to go get some <laughs> white <What? light> fabric. <laughs> um, but there was actually, yeah. So, the, the one, one fun fact, trivia about my Princess Diana costume is that the train that was attached to me was actually still on a bolt of fabric. Yeah, so, yeah. it was 40 meters long. So, hers was only 24 feet long. But because I didn't know how long I needed to get onto the stage yeah. and everything. I was like, let's just put 40 meters on there. Yeah. So, I think I... I think it's going to be a long time before somebody has more fabric in a dress than that. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I remember that morning I went to brunch mm-hmm. and I saw you walk in with this massive oh, with the thing bra- of fabric. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I was like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, what is We literally had about to, to do happen? a
3: rehearsal that morning of <laughs> how we would like unroll this giant bunch <laughs> yeah, of fabric. Because yeah. mm-hmm. we I ended was... up having to like drape it like down the front of the stairs yeah, so people could actually was... see the train and yeah. not be um. On... Yeah, I was like
0: <laughs> standing against like the cloudline windows looking in like what... What's about to happen? Yeah, what are these I, I want to morning? And then I was there. I I remember it was like the craziest day of my life because I went to brunch and I got smashed. And then As I w- you do. went home and just like laid flat on my back and took a nap and then got up and just walked out the door and <laughs> went back to Starlet that night. <laughs> I like, did the exact change, same thing like. that day. I did the exact same <laughs> yeah. thing.
2: It was no, crazy. That was such a so I was really unhappy with the performance I had done that night. I was it was not my best. And then when I got a chance to do that runway, mm-hmm. I was so like. Not in the headspace of what I was about to do, yeah. and then the second, like you said, the second I stepped out there, yeah. and that I had Diana's wedding song was yes. the runway music. Yeah. So I took like three steps down the stairs, and it was like a it was like a wall of screaming. Yes. People were so excited, it was insane. and my mood changed instantly. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. so happy. But we didn't really account for the fact, because there was so much fabric, we we cheaped out in some ways. So, the veil that I used was like really, really cheap tulle. It was like the cheapest you could find, (laughs) which means that the holes in it, it's like not delicate at all. Mm -hmm. So, it's very small holes, which means it's a lot of white fabric. So, when I stepped out, the white spotlight. So, keeping in mind for those listening who don't know, it's a staircase. The runway is a staircase. So, I stepped out in like 100 meters of fabric with the veil on. And then the spotlight had essentially just created like a complete whiteout. It was like I was in a yeah. blizzard. <laughs> so I could not see, I could hear everyone screaming. So Go towards the screen. Yeah, just follow the screams. <laughs> So I was like literally under the dress. I had like my feet. I was like reaching down and tapping the next step oh and God. then stepping and then reaching down and tapping. <laughs> yeah, but so the so best funny. part is in the video, I'm just like, oh, yes. Yeah, oh, I'm Princess tell. Diana. You can't even tell. <laughs> um, but then to, like, inside I was screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it was so oh, scary. Yeah. Um, wow. But no, that was truly. The things you do. The Drag. things you do. Suffer
0: for your art. <laughs> yes.
2: And I did and really? it, but it was so good. That oh, was like one of my favorite things so I've done. It was so
0: good. It was so good. And then the black dress underneath.
2: Oh, yes. The revenge dress. A bit of Just a reveal. Just
0: everything. Everything.
2: Thank you. Yeah, no, that was fun. But it's, that was a, a classic example of um, our ambition <laughs> 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 being being um, way beyond where it should have been. Um, but yeah, that's the but sort of stuff. And we like to create moments, you know. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So the when did you, um,
1: you both choose your names like how did that kind of come about when you first started did they come really early
3: or (laughs) later on similar to like everything else of our drag it was like not an overnight thing (laughs) very well like considered like in those like well, I mean, we had a lot of time to think about it. All those kind of like those few years at home, just like practicing makeup. Yeah. I had a few contenders that never really <laughs> saw the oh light gosh. of day. Some really quite <laughs> bad ones. So my, my boy name <laughs> is Adam. So I was like, so <laughs> I was so um, hung up on like using Madam as part of my drag name for ages. Cause I was like, <gasps> it okay. sounds like Adam. I, mean, that. I thought it was camp. Yeah. But like, it just, it wasn't sounding. It sounds very matronly like Madam. And yeah. I was like, maybe like Madam closet or something. Cause I'm coming out of the closet and then, one of my favorite photographers at the time was <laughs> David Lachapelle, and I was like, maybe I'll be Madame Lachapelle. It was just all way too much, yeah. and I just I wasn't vibing it at all. And um what were some other contenders? Oh, we had lots of
2: Ella, Ella something. Yeah.
3: So when if um if I was gonna be a little girl when I was born, my one of my mum's names she was gonna call me was Eleanor, so I got really stuck on um yeah. like what was it? Oh, elevator was one I was going to be called like elevator again really cringe really <laughs> yeah. quite cringe no offense to the three elevators out there um in the the Oh yes can we cut that Is there actually Yes <laughs> oh, no. I mean it's a great track <laughs> like I mean there. it just already- it wasn't right for me but um <laughs> Yeah when you said cringe it- you just meant taken like that Yeah was exactly like, yeah, that's, what that's what I meant right. synonymous it's <laughs> it's <Oopsie> daisy. <laughs> But um I don't know I think when you like have the right name it does kind of it's not like a oh maybe that could work it's like yes that's, that's the it. Know it that's mm-hmm. it and so I, I got stuck on the use of like l or like eleanor and then um i started thinking about my brand and like i like a lot of florals and i love um i love like a lot of french fashion as well and i just think france in general is like beautiful country and i just Wanted to somehow incorporate a French element in there, which is where the D-E came from. So like, Needed cause that up. means, um, so then it kind of just turned into maybe I could make it a pun and then it just kind of all flowed together. And it was like, I had all these light bulb moments in my head and I was like, Elderflower. What if my first name is L and my last name is Deflower? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. And then it was just like, it was perfect. And I was like, yeah, sold sign. <laughs>
2: Except this is now an official PSA to anybody who thinks your name is Elder. It is definitely just L. L. <laughs> who
3: thinks that?
2: We will we'll say that once the microphones off. But cool. there are several people <laughs> who are like, "Hey, elder." I'm
3: like, "No, oh. no." I don't oh. mind. It sounds kind of cute and endearing, though. I not Yeah, if you were level. 70.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so for mine, I had the same thing. Some really terrible ideas at first. Yeah. Um, but then. So, at the Lana time Gay, one of them wait, yeah, we're moving on one of the <laughs> one of the one of the things that i um was really into at the time, so i we lived in Newstead at the time, and we were surrounded by like influencers, and all of our friends were yeah. desperate to be influencers and stuff like that, so obviously, like active wear and all that sort of stuff was such a big thing at the time, yeah, and I remember joking with my friend who I used to walk home from work from the city to Newstead so it was like a 5k walk and we do it every single time and um, she would joke that she was putting her Lululemon on and I was like gonna put my Lululemon on like my activewear, whatever and I was like wait I, I, one day I was literally just like hmm hang on a minute I was like that's actually quite funny being like a drag legs. queen yeah. um, and then a double pun on it as well so my family business dad's always been around race cars and stuff mm-hmm. and there's like this really famous race over in europe which is like the 24 hours of le mans which yeah. is like a city in france and that that i was like i can use that and i will know that it's like a little nod to like my yeah, family and all yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff but most other people will just get the active wear reference and whatever yeah. so and it made it sound french and fancy so which I worked well it worked well with my name as well yeah. it kind yeah, of made us sound like drag siblings so and I just I also really liked the name Lulu was like a first name because there was there's no Lulus in Brisbane or there's very not early. gonna
1: lie that's my that was my nickname my whole life because I'm Louise uh-huh. so it was always Lou or Lulu so oh, I'm like that beautiful
2: was my name. Meant, actually. <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> name just <laughs> coming for your gig yeah she, she is, is <laughs> gig. well you're more than welcome to try um, <laughs> but we I don't have... think I want to <laughs> too much pressure <laughs> <laughs> but we um yeah so so yeah just put the two together and I was like it's Lulu Lamonts there we go she's yeah, French yeah. and fancy and. Um, It's really easy to explain it to people now because I'm like, I'll just think the active way but with like multiple men in it. And then they're like, oh, what do you mean? I was like, you'll get it. You'll figure it out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I
0: love that. I love that. Um, Okay. So your aesthetics and styles are quite different Mm -hmm. from each other. So how did that go when you guys started working together as a pair to like keep them from sort of, I guess like merging Mm -hmm. or like becoming Mm -hmm. very similar?
3: I think, I think I really like, positive trait to have with drag and any kind of performance really is to kind of be versatile as a performer. Yeah. I think it is, I think branding is really important and to kind of have a signature thing that you do. Like for me, like I love the whole like fifties pinup kind of thing. I love to have ginger hair. Like that's, that's what, how I see L when I see her on my head. But I think it's also really important to realize that this isn't just about me. This is also about the audience as well. And I think sometimes you just need to like step away from your comfort zone and show something else off. So, um, for example, when I work with Lulu, um, the gig that we do together most often is Fluffy, which is um, like a kind of like cool, queer nightclub environment. And so when we do that gig, I kind of take a bit of a step away from like my traditional, like very like corseted, like vintage proper L, and I try and do more of like a kind of cool girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's Fluffy more, um, yeah, like really club environment. Yes. Like yeah. Big songs. And so I think dancing. that works
3: well because that's mm-hmm. when uh, – both of us can kind of take a step away from what we'd normally do and kind of present a brand that is a bit works better together. If mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, Would you yeah. agree with that?
2: Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, it is really important to be versatile. And I think that the two of us have like our own unique perspective on it um, without working together. But then I think by working together, we also get a chance to, I don't think we're necessarily going away from our brand, but we're building on our brand is yeah. how I like to look yeah. at it. So, um, both of us always have wanted to do a bit of like the it, like the nightclub environment it tends to be a little bit more like sexy and a little bit more dancey and a little bit that kind of vibe yeah. that, that that they want from the performers like all the songs are, are all that sort of song anyway so it means that we can showcase that side of ourselves um, and build on our brand as opposed to you know pretending to be somebody else and that's one thing that I find really rewarding as well is because it is kind of you're opening a new door you get to find out a whole bunch of stuff that's behind there mm-hmm. so in terms of working together and making sure that they don't blend too much and stuff, I think the way that we get through that is that we both have a, a really keen eye for design and inspiration and stuff. So, we gather references together and we, we pick songs together that we both really like and,
3: um, yeah, bring it together into something that is going to suit both of us. So I think as well, because we are like drag siblings and we started together, there are a lot of things that we do kind of... Common there's like a lot of common ground there like even though we ended up going in quite different directions with our kind of like our general aesthetic and our brand like there are still definitely some shared interests there so we just try and draw upon that i think
0: yeah we talked about that i think with coco about how no art is truly original anymore Mm. and there's like references from everywhere and that's kind of how everything happens now like you pick and choose sort of what works and make it your own absolutely yeah. yeah I
2: think as well because like the two of us, we've been together for seven years, so long we grew up before in the orphanage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we grew up in the orphanage, but like as as a pair as well, we've been together for seven years, so our perspective on the world and our perspective on the last seven years of pop culture is very similar. Yeah. So, yeah. um, it's very easy to, to say, hey, what about this? What about that?
1: Yeah, that's so good that you have like each other to bounce off. Mm, absolutely, I feel like that's so um lucky almost like you have someone with such similar interests to you that you're so close to and Mm -hmm. you know you can really just bounce off each other with everything
2: absolutely and but that's and that's not to say it goes without its conflict points and stuff as well because obviously we both do have quite a you know neither of us wants to be the other person's like little sister kind of vibe but i think um it helps with our two personality types as well so i'm more kind of like I'll just like run straight for the gate and go for it straight away whereas Elle's a lot more refined so wow. what can happen is you know I'll come up with a concept at first or I might I might do the initial kind of design and stuff and be like hey this is kind of what I'm thinking and then Adam will be like no that's not perfect enough that needs to be this that needs to be that and then we'll, we'll pick at it together um, you know which just can sometimes be a bit tense but um, what happens out of that is we create something beautiful you know every yeah. time because we've had a chance to build something then mine away at it and refine it and and neither of us is afraid to to put our own stamp on it which is yeah. really important
1: that's yeah. awesome yeah. yeah so lulu was the smackdown winner in 2020 Indeed. and l was a finalist yes so how was how did that kind of work when you know you worked alongside each other that whole time and went through like a competition sort of mm-hmm. environment together
3: that's a good question it kind of leads on from the last question a bit mm. with how jacob was talking about um, helping each other. Like I think a lot of people see kind of like competing against each other as like a, I don't know, Mind a field. conflict of interest. And it, there are things that are a bit difficult. Like Jacob is quite competitive. I, like obviously when it's something like you're passionate about, you really want to do well at it as well. But I think for the most part. That was Elderflower's big for I'm also competitive. That's what that was, just in case anyone needs a translation. Well, I, I am competitive. But I think you're, you're definitely the most competitive. <laughs> you're saying you're a bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. If but she think... was winning she'd be saying the same thing. It's fine, <laughs> it's fine. But I think what a lot of people kind of overlook or forget about is that we like we're in a relationship, like we love each other, we want to see each other succeed. So we actually it's actually not so much a hindrance but an advantage that we can compete alongside each other and actually kind of bounce ideas off mm-hmm. each other. And we're not afraid to be like, this is what I'm doing. What do you think? Like, do you think this will get me through this round? Yeah, that's like, I mean, at it. I mean, when it comes to like the grand finale, yeah. Like one of us can only be the winner mm-hmm. and, you games. Mm-hmm. and you, and you want to, I guess that's the exception to that rule, but like, we both want to get to the end together. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's about kind of like Absolutely. working together and taking that's over the way drag well. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and, and if one of us succeed, then we're both succeeding as well. Like mm-hmm. if, if one of us is, you know, completely dropping the ball, that means there's going to be less opportunities for both of us. So, you want to make sure that, you know, you're helping pull each other along the whole time. I think SmackDown, because that was 2020. So, that was... we just kind of come out of isolation and our, and our careers kind of exploded straight after that. So, we were in an interesting phase of our careers at that time where we were both really desperate to make a name for ourselves. And I think we were probably a lot more competitive and a lot more desperate to to put our stamp on things in 2020. So, that was... Um, a very different environment for us. So we, we did learn, we worked together really well and, and we did that, but it was definitely a lot more difficult than doing it again. Like we did Starlet together, which is obviously like this massive competition. And that happened again uh, this year in 2022. So we we got to do that together. And before that, we sat down with each other and we said, okay, so it did get a bit tense at the end of SmackDown because we were both you know really keen to win. Um, we worked together, but it was definitely not the most pleasant environment. And I was really in my head about having to win. Um. Thank God I did. Um. And and Adam was also really in his head about making sure that he wasn't dropping the ball. Because I think for me, losing is a really terrible thing to happen. And for Adam, just embarrassing himself or doing a bad job is a really terrible thing to happen. So we both had so much pressure on ourselves in 2020. Whereas this time around, we kind of came into this competition knowing that we've already proved ourselves to be pretty competent entertainers and, and capable of putting a look together and putting a show together. So, we were like, we sat down and with our costume maker as well and we said, okay, we're a team this time. Like, let's let's go into it as a team. You know, no secrets, cards on the table the whole time. And, you know, we created week after week, we did some really amazing stuff and stuff that we're both really proud of. And even though neither of us won the big prize and, and in the end, I got a little title at the end and whatever. But I don't think either of us left being like, oh, bugger, that should have been me. Yeah. Um, and we, we just were like really content, I think, I'm speaking for both of us, but I was really content with how we, we handled it and, yeah. and how we did. I don't
3: think we left any stone overturned. Yeah. And like I don't know it. if you'd
1: agree, but I guess it's sort of thing, it's like, it's almost better than winning, just to know that you were like together the whole way doing it. It wasn't a toxic environment. Like, you can say, oh, I didn't win the big prize, but like, at least, you know, your relationship is still, you know, you've exactly. worked together, like, it's like,
3: exactly cliche,
1: yeah. but that's almost like better. And exactly. I said that
3: to actually um, like our drag mum slash mentor BB gun at like the finale. I was kind of like, we'd finally like, like Kim shot had been crowned and Lily was runner up and I could finally kind of like exhale and be like, okay, that chapter's over. But like I said to her, I was like, I don't actually feel that disappointed that I didn't like come home with any kind of crown. Cause like looking back when I actually wouldn't change anything, like I loved how like we worked together and yeah. every week I felt like I stayed like true to my brand and yeah, it was just like a really enjoyable experience. So that was like really nice to actually be like, yeah, we didn't take out the top spot, but I'm so proud of what I did. And I actually mm-hmm. wouldn't, yeah, I don't sure. think I'd change it if I did it again. So. That's cool.
2: It was really, it was really nice just to get to do it together and actually showcase ourselves as like experienced Queens. Cause we hadn't done that together mm-hmm. before um, other than doing it in like a nightclub setting to do it at a performance in a competition is a very different level of performance. And getting to do that there was one particular week so it was the so uh, we both in our first week came in over prepared and didn't have a huge amount of fun and we got told off both of us got different different weeks but got critiqued you know just have some fun with it, like enjoy yourselves. We were like, but we were so prepared. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun for us. <laughs> we were professionals. We were, we're ready taking to this cross
3: dressing yeah. very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: exactly. Um, but then the second week came around, we both just kind of were like, okay, let's just let our hair lean down into the ceiling a bit. What people
1: want to watch, you know. They exactly. Wanna, I mean, I guess some people want to watch the really choreographed, perfect, but exactly. it's fun. You can then see
2: it's uncomfortable for everybody to be like, wow, they're taking this very seriously. But um, we came out the next week, and I did like a Emma Wiggle strip tease oh, and L and L was. <laughs> Um, elastigirl and did like this He's whole like thing like silly long arms that had me <laughs> yeah but we, we came out and we happened to be paired in the same week that week and we came out and we were the top two that week we got to do the top two lip sync battle together <laughs> and it was just it felt like a real weight off our shoulders we were like okay we can do this together and it felt like the whole scene was watching that night and we were cream of the crop for a night which was really really special moment That's to have about. together mm-hmm. exactly and and that I don't think we would have succeeded as much as we did if we hadn't worked together and hadn't planned the number and helped pick each other's songs and costumes and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a really special moment.
3: I always like to say that, um, drag takes a village. It's like, you might see just the one performer on stage, but once you get to a point where you're working quite regularly, you need to have good people around you and a good team. Mm -hmm. So who's your costume designer? Her name is Savannah Fry. Mm -hmm. And, um, but she's she so much more being being, than that, I though. She, she would hate like, being called costume designer, though, because she's like, I don't design. I just make. I make. She oh, does. Yeah. She's designed things for herself, which is <laughs> <are, like>, wonderful. <laughs> but um, Savannah's like so much more than that to us, though. Like she is like such a Uber like, driver sh- shoulder to lean on, <laughs> <laughs> and like such a wonderful support. And yeah, it was really lovely. We just did the whole comp like a, a little trio, and
2: absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, Savannah. Savannah makes probably eighty percent of the stuff that we do. But there's so many really talented artists across brisbane who do costumes and wigs and yeah. stuff for people so um mandy moves over at the Hemmingbird did a bit of stuff for me as well and there's other people like on the gold coast as well like a new one that's opened up there's just so many different people because drag has become such a big industry now mm, it's a bit it's, more accessible for people mm. and it's sustaining lots of other small businesses around it like it's oh, it's really exciting yeah. to see really exciting to see yeah
0: so um in our last episode, we talked with our guest Erica um, about sort of like issues with queer people in game development. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of more about like exclusivity and like gatekeeping by cishet men mm-hmm. specifically. Um, what do you guys think is the most prevalent issue, I suppose, for queer entertainers in the drag scene?
2: Yeah, wow. Um, I So, this is quite topical at the moment as well. So... I, um, f- uh, whether it's the most prevalent or not I'm not sure but for me an issue that's very important to me and something that I've um, used my platform to draw attention to recently and tried to to create a bit of a, a stance on it is um, there's quite a lack of respect especially in, in the nightclub scene uh, for women in queer spaces straight women, queer women, um, trans women all that POC women, everything th- there's a lack of respect um, given by Unfortunately, just to put it blankly, the white gaze. So in a nightclub setting, I've had several friends tell me, um, they come home from night out and be like, oh, your shows were great. But, you know, I was told by this guy, you know, oh, this is a gay club. What are you doing here on the dance floor? Like, why are you taking up space? All that sort of stuff. Like, not even exaggerating things that have been said to some of my friends. And um I think that attitude still prevails unfortunately in, in a lot of other queer spaces as well um, and unfortunately even some drag queens and stuff still on the microphone will be like oh what are the straight girls doing here just like a a first of all like they're here they're paying for a ticket to see your show yeah, be a little make bit up most of grateful. our audience um and secondly uh just assuming that somebody in, in a queer space is is if they're not like a, a man wearing a harness is just a straight girl here at a bachelor party or something yeah, you can't it's just exactly that's the worst. It's and it's it's quite offensive. So for me, I think that that does still prevail. Unfortunately, it is a, a misogynistic attitude, um, and that's one thing with drag in particular that. I think drag can often err on the side of being a parody of women and, and sometimes can be a little bit misogynistic as well. And that's one thing that I think both of us have always been really conscious of is that drag for me is like a love letter to to powerful women and, and things like that. So, you know, growing up, I was always very inspired by um, powerful women and, and um, you know, a lot of them, all my icons, obviously, when I was growing up that I looked up to and took inspiration from, like Lady Gaga, obviously, and, mm. and people like that who were really strong and even even girls in my life who I've taken inspiration from as well. So doing drag mm. is an opportunity for me to kind of say thank you and be like, now I'm going to be the baddest bitch I can on the stage for you and for myself, obviously. But So that's something I think respecting women in queer spaces is, is something that is is very um, long overdue. It should be the norm, not like it shouldn't have to be a statement. It should just be the norm. Um, but I'd say that's probably similar in, in a lot of industries. So unfortunately, drag is not immune to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I It's interesting that you bring it up because that is my experience constantly mm-hmm. when I go out and I feel like I'm quite a feminine dressing person, which mm-hmm. like shouldn't mean anything. I shouldn't have to dress a certain way to be perceived as queer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think because I wear, you know, like a sparkly skirt and makeup or whatever, people mm-hmm. just assume I'm the straight girl in the club mm-hmm. yeah. and I get really frustrated. I had like a really long, um, you
3: feel silenced almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
0: had like this really like long period of time where I had such an issue with being perceived as straight mm-hmm. and I get so frustrated because, like, I was like, that's, like, these are my people and these are who I want to be around. But, like, they don't want me there because they don't think that I belong. And I, like, it took so long for me to be like, no, but, like, you still can be here. Like, it's okay. Absolutely. Um, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. So, I'm so glad that people, like, you guys are aware of mm-hmm. the way Sometimes, that
3: things are. even the way that some events are marketed as well. It's pretty good in Brisbane oh, yeah. now. But, like, I've seen posters for, like, gay nights in, like, Sydney that it's just like the poster is just like full of like topless like white gay men and mm-hmm. it's like this is a gay club like as queer people we should be letting everyone in the door isn't and that it the should whole point a, like exactly. equality and
1: having everyone be well included in exactly we're space. trying to step away and from obviously it's a way to highlight you know a certain community but that you know it should still be inclusive right
2: yes that's a really it's exactly right and i think One thing I got to say when I had the microphone at Starlet was that our spaces are for the she's, the gays, and the they's. It is meant to be inclusive. Like, it is also meant to be a safe space for all of those people, whether you're a queer woman or a straight woman or anybody else who falls under that umbrella. It is our space to be exactly who we need to be without being preyed on, without being excluded, and without being made to feel uncomfortable. And I think that is what our community is supposed to stand for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really good insight.
3: I think another thing I wanted to just like briefly touch on as well is this is less from like the audience perspective, but actually working like as a drag queen in the scene. I think there is drag is hard because it's not like there is like a union for drag Queens. It's not like we go to, um, Ripple's Wayward School for Cross dressers Like
1: is there like a HR sort of component or anything like that? No, like well there's a, not, no. Okay, so a lot of work.
3: a lot of the dynamic and the rules happen with the scene are kind of established by the people in it. Yep. And something that I've kind of seen is there is often like new people kind of coming into the scene. There's often this expectation from like older queens that you kind of have to pay your dues in a way. Which I do agree to some extent, but I think it's also don't think we should kind of discourage younger queens from kind of having a bit of passion kind of maybe not doing things to
2: what did i say as an ambition yeah and
3: um, you don't want
1: to have them be intimidated to do this art
3: no because like the thing about drag is it's for everyone like yes there are certain you have to be respectful to like people you're working with and kind of like um producers and venue managers and other queens but i think it should be celebrated if someone wants to kind of pave the own way like it shouldn't have to be that you have to do like 10 gigs for free before you can get paid or that you have to like do a certain thing of your makeup to like be able to be accepted
2: and i think it, it's it's one of those things that's a cross-section with a lot of other industries as well why should it be a bad thing if the next generation of performers coming along does have it easier it means that what you've worked towards has actually succeeded it's and advanced I- and I think that happens in a lot of it. It's like the same. as like the housing pricing and yeah. and people like, like
0: parenting and stuff. Exactly, like, it's, it's always like always going to
2: change. Why is it a bad thing that it is easier? You yeah. know, and that's something that I think we've always encouraged people coming through. Like obviously, always be respectful, be on time, but be you know ambitious. And if you can, if you can make it work without doing the same amount of hard yards as somebody else had to do 10 years ago, then congratulations. Absolutely,
1: especially in the queer space. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Like, they're arbitrary rules that we've created for ourselves. Like, let's just all enjoy Excellent. it. And, so, and let people succeed.
1: Yeah, so going on from that, what would you want to see, like, some changes happening in the drag scene moving forward? What would your own... Um, I think be? just
3: looking a bit more... Drag cam, it can be very, like, a narcissistic thing. Like, at the end of the day, we're kind of, like, glamming ourselves up and kind of, you can become quite inflated i think sometimes when you've got people cheering at you and you look a certain way it's
1: like any entertainment industry really right yeah
3: but i think just kind of remember to look outward sometimes as well and remember that drag is it's not just about the individual doing it; it's about the whole community as well and like with what i was saying about kind of new queens coming through not necessarily being like oh well she shouldn't have the opportunity because she hasn't done this instead actually reaching out to that queen and being like i'm gonna help you like this is what i think you should do or like looking if you see something you have an issue with kind of look at it as an opportunity for like Mm -hmm. guidance and support rather than just trying to like bring that person down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and uh, what i would like to see is
2: way more representation especially i think uh, in like i talked about earlier the hierarchy of shows Mm -hmm. and clubs and all that sort of stuff where you know you earn your place in the in the bigger shows and stuff like that but so i think in the kind of lower and middle levels of the gigs and stuff which are you know the less frequent gigs and all that kind of stuff i think the representation is pretty good there's lots of really inclusive events at the moment for example off the top of my head there's like um, an event which um, is run at the wickham called them um, which is all about um, gender diverse individuals who are performers as well there's a show called poc which is point of change which is all about highlighting poc talent um as two examples that come to mind um so i think in those sort of like lower levels and less frequent gigs and stuff like that, there's plenty of representation, but at the top of the tree, there's, there's most of the big show lineups and, and people who are recognized at the top levels and stuff, unfortunately, are mostly, um, are, are white, white gay men. Um, that's not to exclude, you know, there's plenty of other very talented POC performers in, in Brisbane and, and AFAB performers as well in Brisbane. Um, but I think that that representation needs to go up, and that's something that I always want to do. If I'm ever given kind of creative control over a lineup at a show or something, I always try to make sure I'm including, um, and not as a token gesture, but to be like I actually really want to highlight this person's talent, yeah. um, and and bring them to the top. And I think in turn, like if you were to turn up to Fluffy and you saw that, you know, maybe not every single week it's just the the mostly gay dancers. Maybe there's a more diverse lot of dancers up there, and and. Um, You know, the lineup might have an AFAB performer in there as well and that kind of stuff. What that means is it just sends a message to everybody in the audience that this is a space for everybody Mm. so that means that the attitudes of the performers will be different the attitudes of the people watching the shows will be different you'll be validated sitting there saying oh cool there's there's, you know some of my people up on the stage um and that means that some of the people who would otherwise be exclusionary will also see that and be like oh okay maybe this space is for not just me and my harness and my jock strap you know what i mean like it's actually for everybody Mm -hmm. so i would like to see a a better better representation across the board and actually, uh, interesting things happened in the last week as well, where the two of us, which we're both very grateful for, have been nominated for Drag Performer of the Year at the oh, Queen's Ball. Yes. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank which is, you. it's such an honor, and it's um, the oldest queer awards ceremony in the entire world. So That's it's it's awesome. an absolute honor to be nominated. Um, But unfortunately, the the performer categories this year have a very limited lineup of people. And and that was my first thought when I read it. Even like I saw my name, I was like, that's exciting. Then there were so few other names there. And I think that's just a classic example. And it's no one person's fault that it's happened. But you look at it and go, you know, this is an opportunity where there's going to be thousands of people log in to vote for these awards. And there's going to be, you know, 700 very important people in the community there on the night um, at Brisbane City Hall who are going to get to see the t- these talents highlighted mm-hmm. and it's a great opportunity for us because these people are going to see us and be like wow you're amazing but I would have liked to have seen more than four people nominated exactly. which traditionally there is there's only four there yeah. it's a great there's opportunity only four. to show off oh. the diversity that Brisbane has because even just being nominated I know it's really cheesy but just being nominated is such an honour and, and even out of last year there was a whole lot of respect that I gained because I was nominated last year as well um, just by being nominated. Like people like elders in the community got to come and say, oh, congratulations on all your work this year. Mm-hmm. And I would love to have seen some of the other amazing talents in Brisbane get a chance to experience that this year. Um, and unfortunately the lineup mm-hmm. is, is for, um, I believe, cis white men um, as far as I'm aware. So um, that is unfortunate that that is the, the, Extent of the representation on the drag performer of the year panel, especially like I've mentioned, there is so much other talent in Brisbane that, that deserves that hi- being highlighted on, on such a big pa- platform mm-hmm. as well. Exactly. So it's just a symptom of a bigger problem. It's not, it's not Brisbane Pride's fault solely, like, this is just the, the mm-hmm. way that it has been. Um, yeah, and you'd hope that it's just going
1: to keep getting better and better.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think that's why a lot of people, and it has been a bit of an issue on social media. I think that's why people have been a bit disappointed, is because it does feel like we are heading in the right direction.
3: And then these things happen. It's like, did we miss the memo? It feels (laughs) like a step back. And then when you hear
2: somebody come out of a club and say, "Hey, somebody said this to me," you go, "Oh, okay, we're taking a step back again today." Yeah, Yeah. it
1: really just—it's like you're doing all these advancements, and then why are we stepping back? Exactly. But I think that's like anything. Like you're always gonna have the step backs happen and you just keep pushing forward. It's like when
3: like Donald Trump was elected, I was like, really? (laughs) Are we, are we there? Are we, are we? Really? (laughs) Back in the 1930s? Yeah. And the thing is as well that we're queer, like we don't like, we make our own rules. We don't need to adhere to any structures that has been placed in society. Like before us, like Mm -hmm. we don't have to say this person can do this and this person can't. Like there is no rules to being a queer person. Like we're all, it's an even playing field. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think, um, like those sort of things, like step backs, like you were saying, sort of just, I guess, open up a conversation. Absolutely. A, a platform to educate and go, okay, how are we going to not do this again or how are we going to move forward from this? Um, but, yeah, I suppose going on from that, what, what makes you guys most proud to be queer?
2: I, I truly, I think it's something that happens over time. And you become more and more proud as time goes on um, because when you first kind of realize that you might be, you know, fall under that rainbow umbrella, it's actually a bit scary yeah. <laughs> and you think, oh no, this is something that I, I probably can't celebrate. And then as time goes on, you celebrate it more. And I think the best thing about being queer is that it is a never-ending journey of self-discovery and it is a chance to continue to evolve who you are. And that is something that I think is very unique to the queer experience because, there's not really any expectations placed on the queer community in terms of how you're supposed to navigate life. Um, whereas, you know, you've got those, the, as a as a heterosexual person, I suppose, there is kind of an expectation that you're going to get the job and you're going to find the partner and you're going to have the kids, you're going to buy the house and you're going to live happily ever after and, and and follow that. Whereas with this, we kind of get to make our own timeline and mm-hmm. we kind of get to experience life at the pace that we want to. And I think that's something that, I would encourage people who aren't necessarily in the queer community to embrace that as well because at the end of the day even those rules that other people have to follow are still just arbitrary rules that exist to kind of confine us so Mm -hmm. I think about being queer is that you get the chance to to live out your best life (laughs) without any expectations and I think that's that's really beautiful
3: yeah absolutely I 100% agree with that and it kind of links to what I was saying before about like we're queer we don't have to follow any kind of rules Mm -hmm. um I think as well, like one of the things I'm most proud of is kind of taking something like my femininity. I've always been a very feminine boy. Like even like when I was like a toddler, my mum was like pretty certain I was going to be gay just from like the toys I played with and like how I carried myself. Mm. So always been And he very... downloaded Grinder at four years <laughs> old. It was so weird.
1: <laughs> she was like, yeah, I think this is one. I right. think this, this might is be right, the right, one, yeah. yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so
3: like always been very effeminate and it was something I was so self-conscious as of like growing up like always tried to like kind of mask it and make my voice sound a bit more masculine make sure like the way i stood was like different at school so people wouldn't know that i was queer and like pick on me and what i love about my life now is that i've like taken something that i used to not like about myself and that other people used to bully me for and just turned it into like almost like armor and been like actually i'm gonna fully lean into this i'm gonna like awesome. do it in a way that people celebrate it like it makes me emotional thinking about like that i can i've gone from a place where i used to be scared to put a hand on a hip and now i can stand on like a stage and be as feminine as i want to be and people are actually cheering for me like it's a really like beautiful full circle moment to come from that place that is
0: beautiful (laughs) it is it's really it's really nice i love that's my favorite part of the episode is asking Mm -hmm. those things it's been so far i think pretty different between all of our guests um it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it makes have me, like, warm and fuzzy. Have <laughs> you
2: had a chance to answer the question yet?
0: I think I did in the first yeah. episode. Yeah, I yeah. think yeah. we did a Q&A. It was, oh, perfect. Mona's okay. like, unconditional love. Yeah. Like, yeah. I never, I grew up in a religious family, so I don't have mm-hmm. that at home. My parents don't know I'm gay, maybe do, maybe mm-hmm. don't. I don't really know. Um, and so when I stepped into a queer space and it was just everyone being like, oh, my God, hey, like, cool, cool, cool. We're mm-hmm. happy to be here for the most part. I mean, for those few people that aren't, yeah. like... Women shouldn't be here. But for the most part, it was like open arms, like, hey, yeah. come join us. And mm-hmm. like, I've met so many amazing people through like going to all these queer events that just don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just yeah. like, come do whatever you want, wear whatever you want. yeah. Be, just be. Just like, be. Yeah. It's like you yeah. found your people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Getting a chance to like build the bubble around yourself and kind of live in this beautiful world that you get to create yourself is so amazing because yeah. you grow up. You grow up in a in a very heteronormative world, I suppose is the word, where everything is kind of you're the other. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you start to build that friendship and you get to build this whole scene around you, you realise that actually you can be your entire universe, can be gay, it can yeah. be very queer.
3: Sometimes I forget that like... We're not... <laughs> We're- <laughs> Where the heterosexuality is like the, the, normal, <laughs> the normal thing yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah
1: because you're not living in that you know? yeah. you're living in your own
3: exactly life. exactly and that you
2: make that's so fun and i think that's something that i we get we got the chance to work with a bunch of high school students um in november last year and that's something that i kept reminding them all i was like hey right now you feel like there's you know one in every 10 of you might be you know, a little bit, yeah. which is fine. A bit limp in the wrist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I said, you're going to leave high school and you're going to find that you can have 10 out of 10 of you be that way and mm-hmm. that's going to be magical and it, it will be such an improvement. I think I wish that I had a better perspective of that when I was in high school because mm-hmm. I was so terrified that I would not be able to enjoy my life yeah. to the fullest. Yeah, whole world is just and the people around you when you're yeah. there, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Exactly. And then... Um, yeah, that's something that I think is so important now with so much representation and, and media and all that kind of stuff. it's just It just goes to show that we are taking steps in the right direction yeah. because it is it is true. It does actually genuinely get so much better. better. it yeah. does, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah. Cool. Oh, well, thank you guys for coming
2: on. Thank that's, you. Yes, thank you yeah, for, for having me. it great. Us. I
1: feel like we've like... Really good conversation. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it coming on
0: absolutely
2: i love the sound of my own voice so i can't wait to just (laughs) listen to this on repeat
0: amazing um shall we do a little clink
1: i think so okay
0: with my water it's very empty